Okay, good afternoon everyone. Friends, neighbors, Yedidim, Chavivim. Good afternoon to the Kalagra de Pirka of Kew Garden Hills and nationally. Parshas Shoiftim. We uh, begin Chaydash Elul. The first parsha we're going to read in uh, Elul. Re'e was Rosh Chaydash Elul. And this coming week will be Parshas Shoiftim. And as we know, there's a great principle that the parsha that we read on a given, given week is not only the order of the parshas of the Torah, but more than that, it is connected particularly to the time of the year. So let's try to investigate what can we glean, what do we see in parshas Shoiftim that is relevant to the month of Elul, Haba Aleinu Letoiva. So we have in this parsha the subject of warfare, and the Pasuk says, V'yasfu ha-shoytrim l'daber el ha'am. The shoytrim continue to speak to the people. V'amru and they say, Mi o'yish ha-yore v'rach ha-levav. Ye afraid? Who's afraid? Who's soft-hearted? Ye'lech v'yashev l'vesa. He should go and return home. Get lost. Get out of the battlefield. V'lo yimas ha-slavav echav k'vavoy. Let him not melt the heart of his brother like his heart. So, this is a very interesting conversation. This is a very interesting declaration that the general makes. He says before they go out to war, they said, "Anyone here afraid of battle? Anyone afraid of battle over here?" And what happens? Sure enough, somebody says, "Yeah, I'm a little scared. I'm a little frightened. I have some anxiety." And the general says, "Get out of here. Get lost. You don't belong on the battlefield." So, what does this mean if somebody is afraid? Says the Gemara and Saita, V'yasfu ha-shoytrim l'daber al ha'am, Rabbi Kiva Omer, ha-yari v'rach ha-levav k'mashma'ai. It means, like it implies, she'ena yachalamad, because she'amacham, he cannot stand up in the thick of the war. He's afraid. His uh, He feels he's going to melt. He can't see the sword drawn. Now, interestingly, the Yushalmi says, that this does not refer to someone who is afraid, but rather someone who is afraid from the Averois in his hand. And the Mishnah says, The Mishnah says this actually explicitly, that when it says, is anyone afraid, it means, is anyone afraid from the sins in his hand? Therefore, the Torah hinges all of this that you should return because of it. In other words, listen to what the uh, Mishnah is saying. Before the general makes this announcement, the general says, anyone marry a woman and not consummate the marriage? Anyone buy a house and not consummate the house? Anyone purchase a vineyard and not fully enjoy it? You could go home. All of those are merely a cover-up for the guy who has an Avera. Because if the only people that return from war are people who have an Avera, it's going to be embarrassing that if, if the five or seven or a hundred people who go back, it's all, they're all, the reason is because of the Avera that they committed. Therefore, we cover it up. We say a newlywed man could go, someone who purchased a new house could go home, someone who bought a new vineyard could go home. This way, the person who did an Avera will not be so ashamed to return home. 
Now, what Avera are we talking about? That's the Machlekes Yushalmi and Bavli. Today we're going to focus on the Bavli, but I'll just share with you what the Yushalmi says. The Yushalmi says that it's referring to someone who talks between Yishtabach and Yoitzer. Now, this is very interesting, because actually, between Yishtabach and Yoitzer is from the most lenient parts of the davening. Namely, if there's a Tzarche Rabim, it is permitted to talk at that juncture. You can't talk about the Yankees, you can't talk about the Mets, you can't talk about the NFL, you can't talk about stocks, but you could talk about Tzarche Tzibur. If, let's say, you have nine people, you need a minion, you could get on the phone, Yankul, get up, we need you at center! But nevertheless, if somebody has an idle conversation between Yeshtabach and Yoitzer, he's a sinner and he cannot fight on behalf of the Jewish people and he has to return from war. What about somebody who talks by Chazar Sashatz? Someone who talks by Chazar Sashatz is wicked. He is like a murderer and he has to return from the war. He cannot defend the Jewish people because he's not going to survive. Now that's very important to know. And we can't beat about around the bush, because as we know, the Shulchan Aruch says, someone who speaks when it's prohibited to speak by davening, is, that is akin to murder. We do not look favorably on that. We are not forgiving about that. We have to educate people. That people have to recognize that, you know, sometimes a guy goes around with a tzedakah box, and he thinks he's a big tzaddik, he's collecting tzedakah. The only thing is, for every guy who gives a nickel, the guy has a nice one-liner for him. So instead of him doing a good deed, he's actually committing grievous sin after sin after sin. So people have to be educated about that. At the times of dominating is prohibited to speak, one who does is considered wicked. But we're not going to discuss that today. You know, it's interesting. Um, it's purely a matter, and don't say, I know this person who talks, I know that person who talks. Well, then, they're, they're all like Gadol Avoyna Minasai. You know, back in the day, uh, a, a pretty large percentage of the American population smoked. Today, I think it's uh, maybe only 15%. What happened? How did that change? How did it change? Very simply, education. People didn't know, they didn't understand that smoking kills you. Now people know that smoking will shorten your life. Every cigarette you take, you'll live 11 minutes less. So, Back in the day, if a, if a young man smoked, you may entertain him as a possibility for your daughter. Nowadays, if a young man smokes, you have to be out of your mind to entertain him for your daughter. Somebody who smokes today is nothing less than a fool. He has impaired judgment and he cannot be trusted for anything. So... Uh, you know, I'm not talking about someone who started uh, 50 years ago, but if somebody who smokes today, so they have poor judgment. Why would you consider them for any matter of responsibility? It's the same thing with talking by davening. Back in the day, people didn't know all the information. Now we live in the age of information. Now we all know the Shulchan Aruch says it's like murder. Now the stories are out. Um, the Toysus Yomtif attributed the atrocities of 1648, 1649, to speaking by davening. By the way, the Toysus is Yom Tif's yard site is this week. There, um, you know, the Debrutzino Rav said that when he was in Auschwitz 
a mystical figure came out of the woodworks and cried out that the cause of this was people speaking by the davening and he disappeared and he writes that this well, there was no uh, natural explanation for this appearance or this comment. Be it as it may, uh, the, the, the Gera Rebbe um, went on record as to say that Sephardim were not subject to the atrocities of 1939 to 1945 because they were uh, not guilty of that particular crime. Again, nowadays the information is out. We all know that uh, this is something the same way people don't smoke, people can't talk by davening. Anyway, that's not the subject of today. And don't misconstrue what I'm saying, that we're, we're not giving causes for, uh, for national Jewish tragedy. I'm just telling you what great rabbis, much greater than myself, have said, and I don't comment on uh, people greater than me. But be it as it may, uh, we're not talking about the Bavli today. Today we're going to talk about the Yushalmi. The Yushalmi says a different sin that a person would return from warfare. And that sin, the Yushalmi says, is referring to someone who speaks between the Tefillin Shel Yad and the Tefillin Shel Rosh. The Bavli says in uh, Menachis Lamed Vav, Tana Sach Bein Tefillah If someone talks between the Tefillin Shel Yad and the Tefillin Shel Rosh, Avera Hi Biyadai. It is a sin, and you will have to return from the thick of war. So the question really is, what does talking between Tfilin Shalyad and Tfilin Shalraish got to do with being successful or the lack thereof by war? Comes the rush in the Piske Halachas of the rush, and the Rosh says that by fulfilling the mitzvah of tefillin properly, you'll be able to fulfill by warfare the blessing of v'taraf zeroya af kavkaid. You will rip off the arm with the head. We know there's a special mechanism of warfare where you don't just blow the guy up, you rip off his arm and his head in one fell swoop. You ever do that? Well, I don't see any uh, warriors here. But you warriors out there, you know that the great, the prowess of a warrior is illustrated by the ability to rip off your opponent's arm and head simultaneously. And therefore, if you put on tefillin shalyad and immediately tefillin shalroish, you will be able to rip off the arm and the head of the warrior. But if you don't put on Tfilin Shalyad and the Tfilin Shalrosh, you will not be able to rip off the head and the arm of the warrior. So the question is, what is the connection between Tfilin and ripping off the limbs of your opponents? We know in Vizoyz Habracha, by the blessing of God, the Pasuk says, Ole God Amar Baruch Marchiv God Kilavi Shachain V'tarav he could rip off the arm and the head. Somehow there's a connection between putting on tefillin shel yad and tefillin shel roish in one fell swoop and ripping off the arm and the head of the enemy in one fell swoop. So let's try to explore that. Rashi says the slain of God were recognizable, that they would rip off the head 
and the arm in one fell swoop. Now, where did God live? Did God live in um, Romema, Modian Elite, Telstone, um, Tiveria? Where did God live? God lived in Everleyardin. They chose as their possession the land of Sichain. They saw that the first land should be his. God took the Ever Layardin. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar writes in Parshas Nase that B'nai God were not afraid to live on the border. I mean, think about where God lived. They basically bordered, I don't know, Lebanon, uh, Iraq, Jordan. I mean, they're in some pretty rough territory over there. And they're not afraid, even though they're very, very far from their the mainland Israel. Because God was armed with two types of armament. Number one, physical prowess. They were warriors. They were soldiers. And number two, they had zechusim. One zechus was that they fulfilled their stipulation that they waged war and they went ahead of their brethren and they were the first on the battlefield. And they also had the zechus of tefillin, the zechus of the zeroya, and the kadkoid, the arm and the head, and in that merit, they were able to rip off the arm and the head of their enemy. The Madani Melech on the Rush explains that just like if someone talks between Tefillin Shalyad and Tefillin Shalroish, they have to return from the battlefield. So too, if someone is careful to put on the Tefillin Shalyad and immediately put on the Tefillin Shalroish, now, why do you have to put on the Tfilin Shel Rosh right after the Tfilin Shel Yad? Because it says, um, they should be, it should be Bahavaya Achas in one motion and one fell swoop. So the same way if somebody talks, they have to return from the battlefield. If someone is careful to put them on in immediate succession, they will be able to pulverize their enemy. And the question is, why is it so important to put on the Tfilin Shalyan and Tfilin Shalroish one after another. Why is this critical? There are two separate mitzvahs. Tfilin Shalyan is one mitzvah, Tfilin Shalroish is another. Question, if you only have a Tfilin Shalyan, do you put it on? Yeah. If you only have a Tfilin Shalroish, do you put it on? Yeah. What if you're going to get a Tfilin Shalyan in the morning and you're not going to get a Tfilin Shalroish until a minute before Shkia? So you put on the Tfilin Shalyan in the morning and you put on Tfilin Shalroish in the afternoon. One is not of the other. These are two separate mitzvahs. It's not like Dalet Minim, that a lulav without an esrog is nothing. An esrog without a lulav is nothing. Tefillin Shalyad is a great mitzvah without the Tefillin Shalroish. Tefillin Shalroish is a great mitzvah without the Tefillin Shalyad. Asks Hagoyin Ramosha Shapiro in the site in the Sefer Shuvi V'Nechazah, what is the great significance of putting on the Tefillin Shalyad in immediate succession with the Tefillin Shalroish. Furthermore, the Beersheva writes that if in the merit of wearing the Tefillin in succession, you'll be able to destroy your enemy, 
That might fit into the Pshad of the Bavli, that the Avera that one may be afraid of is speaking between the Tuan Shayat and Tuan Shorosh. But according to the Yushalmi, that it's referring to the Avera of talking between Yishtabach and Yoytzerar, well, what, what does that have to do with warfare and Molchama and beating the enemy? And the Gemara seems to say that it refers to any mitzvah Rabbanan. Any mitzvah Rabbanan you have to return from warfare. And why not someone who talks by Kriyashma? In other words, what is the connection between Tefillin Shalyad and Tefillin Shalrosh and beating the enemy? And what does this have to do with God? Why did God, specifically, why don't we find, you know, Zavulan was able to rip off the head and the, and the arm together? Why don't we find any other Shevet was able to rip off the arm and the head together? So we now come to a very important principle. In the past we mentioned, and this is a well-known idea, that the 12 months of the year correspond to the 12 Shvatim. How they correspond to the 12 Shvatim? There are many, many interpretations. Some learn it goes by the order of their birth. Some say it goes by how they traveled. Some say there are many, many different ways to connect the Shvatim to their corresponding month. For the purpose of this year, we're going to learn the approach of the Shari Oira, Rabbi Yosef Giktilia, who learns that the 12 Shvatim correspond to the 12 months of the year based on the way they were encamped in the Midbar. So we have Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulan was one Degel, Ruvain, Shimon, and God was another, Ephraim, and Asher, Binyamin was another, Don, Asher, and Aptali was another, and they correspond, Yehuda is Nisan, Yisachar is Iyar, Zavulan is Sivan, Ruvain is Tammuz, Shimon is Av, God is Elul. Wow. God is Elul. Isn't that telling then that in this week's parsha, the parsha that we always read in the beginning of Elul is telling us, does anybody talk between the Tefillin Shalyad and the Tefillin Shalrosh? Then you can't fight the war because you've lost the Kayach of God. You think it's a coincidence that the first parsha we read in Elul warns us, don't incapacitate the power of God. Well, God is the Shevet of Elul, and therefore we open up Elul, don't ruin God. Don't destroy God. We don't want to destroy God. So it's pretty compelling that the month of God, the opening parasha tells us, does anyone talk between the Tvon Shalyad and Tvon Shalraish? So again, this is another illustration of how the parashiyos of the week correspond to the time of the year. Now what does the word God mean? Raise your hand if your name is God. Now it's hard for me to see your hands when all I see is your name. Because letters and names don't have hands. But it's okay. At At least your name is on the screen. But does anybody here name God? Not yet. Anybody here want to be named God? We can name you God if you want. No? Anyway, what does God mean? 
The Gemara in Shabbos says, God is the name of an Avodah Zarah. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, God enoyel Elashin Avodah Zarah, like it says, Ha'archim la'gad shulchan, those who set the table for God. Like the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, V'yatem o'yuzvei Hashem, ha'shecheichim eshar kodshi, ha'archim la'gad shulchan, v'hamemalulim lamani mimsach. So God is the name of an Avodah Zarah. Interesting that God would have such a name. You know, we find in Matois that the names of the cities that in Averlayadin that were built by God and Ruvain, Divine, Atarois, Aroyer, Atrois, Shoifan, Yazer, Yogbaha, Beis Nimra, Beis Haran, Uvnei Ruvain, Banuas, Cheshvain, El Aleikir, Yasen, Nevoi, Baal Ma'oin, Musabos, Shem. These names were changed. Says Rashi, what does it, this mean their names were changed? That the names of these cities were names of Avodah Zarah. And the Amorim would call their cities by the name of Avodah Zarah. And Vinay Ruvain came and they changed the name. So Rabbi Moshe Shavar points out that it's interesting. Ruvain was the Bukhar of Leah. Menashe was the Bukhar of Yosef. God was the Bukhar of Zilpah. All of these three nations took the first share of Eretz Yisrael. They were racious and they grabbed the racious. But of all the racious, but of all the racious, God was the first one to grab land in Eretz Yisrael. They took the land of Sichon. And because their name is Avodah Zarah, they were able to uproot Avodah Zarah. You know, there's a concept that in order to destroy something, you need to be connected to it. The word in Hebrew, shoyresh, means to root. Lisharesh means to uproot. God is the name of Avodah Zarah. God uprooted Avodah Zarah in Eretz Yisrael. Because to destroy something, you need to have a connection to it. And God was the racious. God took the first share in Eretz Yisrael. God was the Bukhar. But isn't it interesting, Marv Raboisai, that while God is the racious of the year, the month that they correspond to is the last month of the year, the month of Elul. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says on the Pasuk, May Reishis Hashanah v'yad Hashanah, that in the beginning of the year Tishrei, we are judged what will be Hashanah at the end of the year. So the beginning of the year is Tishrei. Elul is the end of the year. Isn't it interesting that the month that corresponds, the Shevet that corresponds to the end of the year is God? Why would God, the Shevet, which is called Rashis, be associated with the month of the year, which is Acharis? Shouldn't God be associated with Tishrei? We know the Pasuk says in Ekev, Eretz Asher Hashem Aleikecha, Doi Reisha Tamir. We are now in Acharish We're in the end of the year. And the end of the year corresponds to the month of God. When God came into Eber Layardin, they fought the first war in history on behalf of the Jewish people. Avram Avinu fought the war of the four kings, but that was not a war of Kal Yisrael. That was a personal war. God fought a national war. 
And who did he attack? Sichain. And what month of the year did God attack Sichain? Elul, the Medrash says. God attacked Sichain and conquered the first share of Eretz Yisrael in the month of Elul. And then they made Yom Tif in Tishrei. Now let's think about that. That's very telling. That's very compelling. That's very, of, that's very much of note. That the Shevet, that is called Rashis, conquered the first part of Eretz Yisrael in the month of the year, which is called the Achris Hashanah. Now you should know that was not an easy war to wage. Sichain, Sichain's capital was Cheshbain. And the Chazal say about Cheshbain, even if it was full of gnats and mosquitoes, nobody could conquer it. And yet God was able to conquer it. How? They ripped off the arm with the head. They were careful to put on Tfil and Shalyad and Tfil and Shalosh in one fell swoop. What is this all about? Now the war against Sichain and the victory of Sichain is an eternal victory. Every Shabbos we say in Parakuf Lamed Vav, It was an eternal kindness to conquer that first share of Eretz Yisrael. And that was accomplished by God. By the way, why did God want that share of Eretz Yisrael? What was special about it? Aside the fact that it was first, there was someone who was buried there who that was of great uh, significance. Chazal tells in the Gemara in Soita that Moshe Rabbeinu died in the Chilak of Ruvain. Vayal Moshe, may our voice mayav, El Har Nevoi. Nevoi is in the Chilak of Ruvain. So then how did he get to be buried in the Chilak of God? How do I know he's buried in the Chilak of God? Because it says, Vayareshis lai. He saw Rashis belong to him. Why? He saw that the burial spot of the lawgiver was hidden. Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in the share of God, and God wanted that land because they wanted the land that Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in. And Moshe is the racist. So God said, We're the racist. We want the racist. We want the chilek that Moshe Rabbeinu is buried in. And the Gemara wants to know how did Moshe Rabbeinu get from the Chelek of Shevet Ruvain to the Chelek of God? And the Gemara says, well, very simple. He was carried by the heavenly angels. He was mutal the Kanfei Shechina. He was resting in the wings of the Shechina. And the heavenly angels cried out, Sidkas Hashem Asa. So interesting. God is the first. They grabbed the first share of Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because they wanted the protection of the Rashis. Who's Rashis? Look in Barashis Rabbah. Rabbarach Yomar Beschus Moshe. Shenemar Vaya Rashis Loi. Moshe is called Rashis. So Rabbi Moshe Shapiro develops the following idea. Eretz Yisrael has a very grave danger. You know what the danger of Eretz Yisrael is? Growing stale, growing old. 
the Pasuk says, you're going to go into the land of Israel, you're going to have children, grandchildren, and it's going to get boring, same old, same old. And when you have same old, and you don't have the freshness, and the vigor, and the vigilance, and the alacrity, then you're going to be destroyed, the Torah says, you're going to be chased out of Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, that's the the Kriya Torah for Tishabav. And God, as the racist, as the beginning, His mission, His motto, His essence, is the essence of racist. Always to preserve the freshness and the vitality and the vigor of the beginning. When do you need to tell people, you know, you know, it's time for a new start, it's time for a beginning, in the beginning of the year or the end of the year? Nobody has to tell people, oh, it's Rosh Hashanah, it's a new start. We know it's a new start. We're all excited. We're fresh. We have a clean slate. The Kayach of the beginning is needed in the end, not in the beginning. The freshness, the vitality of a new start, a new beginning is needed. The Achris, not Barashas. My boy started Yeshiva today. I don't have to tell him, oh, it's a new day. It's a new start. Of course it's a new start. You know, I always like to say, where does the Torah allude to Shnaya Mikra? In Bereshis? No, in Shemois. Ve'ela Shemois Me Yisrael, Ve'achayev Adam Likrois. Aparsha Shnaya Mikra Ve'achatarkam. Why would it allude to Shnaya Mikra in Parsha Shemois? Why not Bereshis? Because in Bereshis, everyone's doing it. Everyone's capitalizing on the new start. It's when it grows old and it's it's old news already. We need to remind people about it. When do we need the Kayach of God? The Kayach of Rashis in Tishrei? We don't need the Kayach of Rashis in Tishrei. Tishrei is implicit, infused with a, a newness, a freshness, a vitality, a vigor. We need the Kayach of God, the Achras. The power of God is to maintain and preserve the excitement and the vigor and the energy of the beginning in the end. God preserves the excitement of the beginning in Elul, the end of the year. So we're thinking, okay, it's Elul, it's the end of the year. I'll wake up Rosh Hashanah, I'll wake up by the Shoifar, now it's the end of the year. I'll keep on sliding until the new year. No, the power of God is not to take a moment. Once the beginning starts, we do not deviate, we do not distract, we do not pause from beginning until end. The power of God is to preserve the freshness of the beginning all the way in the end. They put on the tefillin shoyad and they'll say, okay, well, we put on the tefillin shoyad. Now let's take a breather. Let's look around a little bit. Let's see who rolled into the shul. Let's see what time everyone's coming. Let's see how many tissues are in the tissue box. Let me feel how much change in my pocket for tzedakah today. What time did the rabbi get here? What time is Yanko finally going to run? No! You put on the yard, but you don't pause, you don't stop, you don't deviate, you don't distract, and you maintain the vigor and excitement of the beginning of the mitzvah all the way until the end. That is the essence of God, to preserve the racious and the achris. That's why God is the month of Elul. He is. He takes the first year of Eretz Yisrael, because the racious Moshe Rabbeinu is there, and he does not stop until he's done. 
That's the power of God. And they wanted to have the land that Moshe Rabbeinu was in there. Why did the Chet Egal occur? Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'll be right back. When Moshe Rabbeinu said he'll be right back, everyone was thinking about Moshe Rabbeinu. But in the Achras, in the end, on day 40, Moshe Rabbeinu was long forgotten. But God said, we'll never forget about Moshe. We're going to hold on to him forever. We're not going to divert our minds from him. We want him buried in our possession. We want him buried in our land. The Torah writes that Pirkei Rebbe Lazar says, why do we blow Shoifar in Chaydash Elo? What's the reason for the custom of blowing Shoifar in Chaydash Elo? Because when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Harsinai the third time, it was signaled by the blast of the Shoifar. And the message of the blast of the Shoifar is, don't you dare serve Avaydazara again. And I always wondered, how did the blast of the Shoifar message and telecast that they shouldn't serve Avodah again. And Ramosh Shapiro explains that the reason why the Jewish people served Avodah the first time is because while on day one they never would have made the Egel because the memory of Moshe Rabbeinu was fresh in their minds, but as that memory became old, shantem, it dulled, it waned, and it disappeared from their consciousness. So Moshe Rabbeinu blows the shoifer and he says, let this resounding call remind you that whether today or in 40 years from now, in the in your mind's ear, you should continue to hear the reverberating blast of the shoifer as if the day I went up to Harsinai. Don't ever lose focus of that blast of the shoifer. And that's really the, the purpose of the, the shoifer in Chodesh Elo, that we don't want to lose the freshness of the beginning of when Moshe Rabbeinu left us, we always keep that in our mind and we don't forget about him. And that was the power of God. God would not allow Moshe to be lost. God would never allow Moshe to be forgotten. They wanted to take Eretz They wanted to take that share because Moshe would forever be buried there. And that's why the month of Elul is the month of God. God is compared to a lion, Kalavi. A lion, says Rashi, God is next to the border. Therefore he's like a lion. Because anyone on the border has to be alert like a lion. A lion is forever vigilant. A lion never lets his guard down. His senses are on heightened alert. If any prey comes in the vicinity, the lion will pounce on them so quickly that that prey will be sorry it ever crossed paths with the lion. That's the power of God. It never lets its guard down. The kayach, the power of performing tefillin shalyad, immediately followed by tefillin shalrosh, is the idea that we don't let our guard down in the performance of the mitzvahs. It could still be the end of the year. We're maintaining the rashis hashana, be'achrashana. You know, there's a famous from the Satmar Rebbe that every year in the beginning of the year we say 
Ah, this year is going to be the year. Meiratius Hashana. This year is going to be the year where I'm going to be a perfect tzaddik. I'm going to be like an angel of God. And when, by the time the year ends, it's only Akhrashana, just a plain old ordinary regular year. But and when the time of the Gula comes, we're going to say, Heim ga'alti acharis, Heim ga'alti eschem acharis kareshis. It will be at a time that we're able to preserve Heim ga'alti eschem acharis kareshis. He will redeem us in the end like in the beginning. We will be on the level where our ends will be as energetic and alert and enthusiastic as the beginning. This was the power of love, of God. God is the lion, forever vigilant, not resting on their laurels, not pausing between Tfilin Shalyad and Tfilin Shalrosh. And because they had that midah of always being alert in the performance of mitzvahs, that is why they correspond to Chodesh And therefore they had that special ability to attack their enemy without weakening, without slackening, without pausing. And they would rip off the arm and rip off the head in one fell swoop. And this is the power of the month of Elul, and there is no coincidence that if the Torah tells us, and the Gemara says that means, don't talk between your Tvon Shayat and Tvon Shayat. That means Parsha Shoftim is telling us, forever preserve the, the Kayach of this month, the Kayach of God, namely, to maintain the excitement of the beginning, even in the end of the year, and that will be able to jumpstart us and kick us off for a good start for the upcoming year. Haba Aleinu Letoiva. So I thank everyone for coming today. I wish you all Agitin Chodesh, Kal Tov, and have a wonderful day. Brachah Yeah.